reverse climate change and stop global warming using nature's own solutions for pulling the CO2 out of the atmosphere. The solution can also be implemented today. We don't have to wait around for costly technological solutions that are mostly unproven and some are harmful to our environment. Soils can store 3.67 times more carbon dioxide than exists in the atmosphere. Plants absorb atmospheric carbon during photosynthesis. So the return of plant residues into the soil contribute to soil carbon. Roots store carbon and feed the microorganisms that in turn provide nutrients for plants. Together, they build a healthy soil needed to regenerate the land and help mitigate global warming. This is Towards a Kinder Public, a podcast about steps that we can all take to achieve a kinder public space that better meets our interconnected needs. I'm Kevin Castle, and along with Annie Chen, we are Kinder Public. My guest for this episode is author and climate activist Don Vicelli from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. Don is a climate reality project leader trained in July 2020 by former United States Vice President Al Gore. He currently serves as a chairperson for the Regenerative Agriculture Campaign Committee for the Chicago Metro Chapter and is co-chair of the Climate Reality Project Regenerative Agriculture Coalition advocating for the 2023 Farm Bill. This episode will jump right into our interview, which took place during a severe thunderstorm in Chicago. You'll hear the storm clearly in the background. We moved quickly through our conversation in an effort not to be interrupted by a power outage. Our conversation also took place very soon after a tremendously damaging rainfall caused extensive flooding in the state of Vermont, very near to where Towards a Kinder Public is recorded. This interview is absolutely packed with information, and the most important takeaway is that we already know what to do. We've had this information for decades. Like in all economic sectors, Agriculture must earnestly shift towards ecologically responsible methods to meet urgent climate change mitigation goals. If nothing changes, agricultural production is poised to become the U.S. economic sector with the highest emissions by 2050. Many resources to learn more are available in the episode notes and on our podcast page at kinderpublic.com. Thank you for listening to this critically important content on mitigating climate change and steps we must take to establish greater resilience to severe weather events and weather patterns that are reshaping our use of our planet. Good morning. Good morning. We're getting a big storm here right now, so if we lose electricity, my generator will kick back on. I'll jump back on. Great. Just started. I'm right next to Vermont, and we've just been really, we've been a little bit lucky. They got slammed with flooding that we were also kind of expecting, actually. So Yeah, I think I saw it on the news. It was on TV. Not bad. Yeah, yeah, very bad. So We've been lucky. Uh, this, we get storms. Uh, we had 11 t- tornadoes fly by here a month ago. Oh, my gosh. North and south of me, but all hit in the area. And today we're having a... Severe thunderstorm for a half hour. Well, <laughs> I'm wishing you 
continued electricity. If the lights go out, you'll know. Uh, <laughs> generator is supposed to pop on in 10 seconds. So okay. I'll lose the connection. But anyway, good morning. <laughs> yeah, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, no, happy to do it. I've been so thrilled to listen in on the committee meetings that you hold to discuss environmental policy and action steps. You are a climate reality project leader, a member of the CRP Chicago, Illinois Metro chapter, and the chair of the Regenerative Agriculture Campaign Committee, a Sierra Club member, and many other groups and organizations where you devote your time to climate change. Can you share a little bit about your background and how you became an advocate and activist for issues related to global warming? Of course, I'd be happy to. Let me start where I was raised. I was raised on a 160-acre family farm in a small town called Weberville, just outside of East Lansing, Michigan. I spent 10 years helping my parents farm the land using traditional farming practices. At the time, organic farming was not in our vocabulary. Regenerative agriculture was not even known or practiced at the time. Farmers in the late 50s and 60s probably would have looked unfavorably upon any local farmers trying to turn away from conventional farming practices. My family moved from a suburb in Detroit to the farm in 1958 when I was eight and a half years old. We raised milking cows, pigs, goats, and horses. We planted corn, wheat, and clover, or alfalfa for the cows. It was a traditional family farm with around 100 acres of tillable land, and the rest was in woodlands and wetlands. I spent 10 years of my life farming before leaving for college. I never thought I would be involved with farming again. My father would be amazed at what is happening with farmers and ranchers today. We used, as I said, traditional industrial farming practices. There was no emphasis at all on regenerative farming practices as we know it today. Climate change was not on anyone's radar screen. Soil health was not of any farmer's concern at the time. Only how much yield per acre we could get on the farm. After I left for college, my father switched from dairy cows to beef cattle. He ended up having some of the oldest dairy cows in the state. Michigan State University found out and came to look at them since most dairy cows live less than five years. <clears throat> some of the cows were around 20 years old. They were mostly interested in the types of diseases cows would develop at, that, at a later stage. <clears throat> uh, my dad laid, raised and sold beef cattle each year for tax purposes. Many of the animals today, as you know, are raised on concentrated animal feeding operations called CAFOs, which do more harm than good to our environment. I graduated from Michigan State University in advertising and marketing. I received an MBA from Lake Forest Graduate School of Management in Illinois. I retired in 2015. I keep busy on hobbies and volunteer work now. Most of my experience was in product marketing for large and small data communication, telecommunication, and wireless companies in the Chicago area. I became a reality project leader trained in 2020 after listening to an Al Gore webinar on climate change. I joined the Climate Reality Project, Illinois Chicago Metro Chapter, and now serve on several other committees trying to mitigate climate change. We're all grateful that this is your hobby. <laughs> I never expected to be involved in what I'm doing today, believe how did you become particularly interested in and involved with agricultural policy as it relates to climate change mitigation? Well, one of the committees uh, wanted to focus on regenerative agriculture practices for farmers and ranchers in the Chicago Metro chapter. I volunteered to become a co-chair. Mm -hmm. The primary reason was the potential of regenerative agriculture to sequester huge amounts of carbon by drawing down carbon dioxide, CO2, 
from our atmosphere using photosynthesis. After much research, our team realized that RA could actually reverse global warming very quickly with only a percentage of farmers and ranchers worldwide implementing RA principles and practices. The science was real and few people knew about it. Can you explain a little bit more about the method of agricultural production that you work to raise awareness about? You say that the science is real and few people know, know about it. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, regenerative agriculture is governed by five basic principles. It's called minimum tillage, which prevents corrosion, builds soil structure. Keep residue on the soil to absorb moisture and protect the soil. Maintain a living root system to absorb nutrients and feed microbes. Crop diversity using cover crops and crop rotation. Integrating livestock, last one, to fertilize plants that provide nutritional food. Mm -hmm. RA also includes several key agricultural practices. This includes things like crop rotation, no or low till plowing, use of cover crops, animal grazing, composting, agroforestry, and more. Through the practices of regenerative agriculture, soil health can be restored, enabling a greater level of carbon sequestration to be achieved without the use of harmful and costly chemical additives. Some of these practices will also help to increase the soil's ability to sequester carbon on pastureland. Mm -hmm. And what are some examples of the ways that regenerative agriculture practices can help mitigate the climate crisis? What inspires you the most about this agricultural method? Well, we know or we think we can reverse climate change and stop global warming using nature's own solutions for pulling the CO2 out of the atmosphere. The solution can also be implemented today. We don't have to wait around for costly technological solutions that are mostly unproven and some are harmful to our environment. Mm -hmm. Soils can store 3.67 times more carbon dioxide than exists in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Plants absorb atmospheric carbon during photosynthesis. So the return of plant residues into the soil contribute to soil carbon. Roots store carbon and feed the microorganisms that in turn provide nutrients for plants. Together, they build a healthy soil needed to regenerate the land and help mitigate global warming. Is this a new method? No, not at all. The term regenerative agriculture was coined by the Rodell Institute in the 1980s. Principles and practices behind this movement existed long before that. J.I. Rodell was one of the early founders of the organic movement. He founded the Soil and Health Foundation in 1947, which became the Rodell Institute. He called it regenerative organic. Many of the principles we know today were codified by the writings of Robert Rodell, J.I. Rodell's son. A farming systems trial on their land began in 1981. However, it should be noted that indigenous Native Americans used regenerative practices long before the Europeans settled in this country. Conventional farming, ranching, and deforestation methods are a major reason why we are experiencing climate change today. And what are your priority goals when it comes to advocating for regenerative agriculture in U.S. agriculture and environmental policy? You know that there's a lot of uh, goals that we looked at, at trying to implement for the Farm Bill. Um, mm -hmm. There's probably over 20. And there's a lot of other farm organizations that came out with their own recommendations. So we had a special group within our coalition and our Climate Reality Project that decided to focus on six main goals. Let me read what they are. First one is to upgrade enhanced programs, incentives, and funding to support all farmers and ranchers as they scale up to climate smart practices in their operations and make reducing greenhouse gas emissions a priority for conservation spending. Second one is to reform subsidized crop insurance programs, mm -hmm. prioritizing the use of practices that reduce greenhouse gas 
and improve soil health qualifications for credit and crop insurance. Three, expand natural resource conservation services, normally called NRCS, mm -hmm. funding for staff, staff training, and programs to accelerate education and implementation of climate smart agricultural practices for all farmers. Four, increase federal funding for regenerative and climate friendly agricultural research at land grant universities, agricultural extension programs, agricultural research service, and National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Fifth one we recommended was invest in infrastructure that supports the development of decentralized, diverse food systems that can efficiently process and distribute local and regional healthy food with emphasis on organic and or regenerative production. And the final one we decided upon was expand incentives and funding for implementation of agroforestry practices, including alley cropping, riparian buffers, silver pasture, and windbreaks and forest-related easements. This would ensure hydrologic connectivity and habitat corridors with a specific focus on biodiversity that will protect pollinators and other organisms necessary to ensure soil health. These six RA policy recommendations for the 2023 Farm Bill are available in our policy document we send to all eight committee members and members of Congress for consideration. And we can provide that upon a request, a link. That's great. I just want to point out that the thunder is making an appearance. Yes, the storm is <laughs> passing over, but we haven't lost electricity, so I'm thankful. <laughs> right. Another extreme weather event in Illinois. So. Right. Let's talk about climate today with the thunder in the background. And, and here's a great question. Um, are the positive climate effects and storm mitigation potentials of regenerative agriculture limited to agricultural land, or do these methods have the potential to positively impact regions of the country more broadly? Regenerative agriculture has immense potential to positively impact the world and the environment. It shifts the paradigm. Instead of competing with nature, we partner with nature. Mm -hmm. We stop using conventional industrial or factory farming methods that rely on monoculture crops, synthetic fertilizers, and deforestation to feed animals. Mm -hmm. We need to cover the soil when not in use. All of this is causing desertification of our topsoil at a rate that will result in the loss of two-thirds of our landmass to deserts by 2100. It's terrifying. That's most of Africa, Australia, Central Asia, and the Western U.S. That's within this generation, the young generation's lifetime. That's correct. This is all by, from a report on the green Desertification through inappropriate land management exacerbated by climate change is one of the biggest threats facing humanity today. From Africa to India, China, Australia, the southern USA, deserts are growing at an alarming rate, about 120,000 square kilometers annually. According to the United Nations, desertification is potentially the most threatening ecosystem change impacting livelihoods of the poor. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the ways that industrial agriculture is co-opting the language of regenerative agriculture or claiming to have similar benefits or to obscure the fact that industrial agriculture as a system is inherently unable to participate in the urgent work of climate change mitigation? What misrepresentations do we need to watch out for? Greenwashing. Greenwashing by food system producers and big egg companies that continue to promote industrial farming methods and products. 
Hundreds of food producers are requiring our food and annual suppliers to commit, commit to regenerative agriculture practices to earn what's called carbon credits for themselves and their suppliers. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, some of these producers are using the credits to claim they embrace RE methods, but still plan to increase their production capacity and grow profits without lowering their own carbon footprint or reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Big agriculture companies, on the other hand, continue to tout the benefits of industrial agriculture farming methods to reduce high crop yields, but the cost to our environment is very high. The UN Environmental Program states that it costs the environment the equivalent of US $3 trillion every year in higher greenhouse gas emissions, air and water pollution, and loss of wildlife. Use of pesticides alone result in proven adverse health effects. And fertilizer production accounts for about 1.5% of total CO2 emissions per the UN. Hmm. Agriculture accounts for around 11% of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions, increasing each year, mostly in the form of methane from CAFOs and nitrous oxide from fertilizer use. So just to step back for a moment and emphasize that point, you said fertilizer production alone accounts for about 1.5% of total CO2 emissions per the UN, just the production. Yes. What's worse, though, about the fertilizer use, the farmers are using too much Mm -hmm. fertilizer. Not only does it produce the nitrous oxide gas, but the runoff is polluting our rivers and our streams and it's causing toxic waterways, uh, like in the Gulf of New Mexico, Mm -hmm. the size of Rhode Island. It's just killing our environment. It's got to be stopped. Mm -hmm. What do we need to know about the 2023 Farm Bill? The Farm Bill covers many different areas of legislation dealing with the agriculture system. It's going to be one of the largest uh, climate-oriented bills, hopefully, in, in the next 10 years. Uh, it's one of the most important pieces of legislation passed by Congress. It is renewed every five to seven years. The next vote is due to September of this year, though it may be delayed due to the partisan differences that exist in the House and Senate. The baseline funding forecast for the Farm Bill from 20 over the next 10 years, 2023 to 33, is nearly $1.3 trillion. Most of it goes to nutrition, what we used to call the food stamp program, now called SNAP. Nutrition accounted for around 76% of the 2018 farm bill outlays. Crop insurance was 9%, commodities 7%, conservation 7%, the other 1%. Adding climate smart policies to the 2023 farm bill is critically important to help reduce greenhouse gas emissions and protect our environment. What organizations do you recommend listeners follow and support to stay informed and active on these issues? And how can we meaningfully help support this change? There are many agriculture organizations we follow and support. Mm -hmm. Among them are some like American Farmland Trust, Defenders of Wildlife, Earth Justice, Environmental Working Group, Natural Resource Defense Council, Regenerate America, Soil Food Web, Understanding Egg, and many more. Support regenerative farmers by looking for companies and food products that contain the regenerative organic certified, what we call the ROC label. Uh, Or you can buy organic grown foods. Choose clean, renewable energy. Educate yourself on the benefits of RA and then tell your members of Congress to support climate smart policies in the 2023 Farm Bill. With everyone's help, we can make a real difference to combat climate change. How can people find you and support your important work? Well, probably the easiest way is to go to our Climate Reality uh, Chicago Metro Chapter website. It's a climaterealitychicago.com slash regenag. And you'll find our website with our regenerative agriculture policy document and other links and resources that you can use to educate yourself on RA. Or you can send me an email. Send it to Vaseli, my last name, 
V-I-E-C-E-L-L-I at Comcast.net, and I'll get back to you right away. We'll be sure to include links in the episode notes to all of these amazing resources that you're sharing. I have one more question, which is what books or authors should we be reading to learn more and think more deeply about climate change? Well, there's many. There's Other than yours, of course. <laughs> yeah, there's many There's many people who live in the regenerative agriculture movement today. Among the ones I follow, there are several. Alan Savroy, Savroy Institute. He's an expert on desertification in Africa, how to convert the land. Uh, back to grasslands, etc. Dr. Ellen Williams, Gabe Brown, and Ray Archuleta, Understanding A. They have a lot of resources, just uh, Google them, and a lot of training materials for farmers and ranchers. Dr. C. Johnson and his wife, Hushung Sue Johnson, they co-inventors of the Johnson Soup Composting Bioreactor. That bioreactor, he put all the information online, and they use it now to convert manure pits for dairy farmers, etc., to put back onto the soil. And that would be a good uh, uh, solution mm-hmm. for eliminating cathodes. Dr. Elaine Ingham, Soil Food Web. That's where you learn about the biology. And biology is what feeds the plants. And that's what we should be doing instead of using fertilizers, pesticides, and herbicides. And they have a lot of training instructions there. Verdana Shiva of the Regenerative International Institute. She is a leader in India on small farming operations, trying to get back to uh, non-conventional farming practices. Uh, Walter Jenna, Healthy Soils Australia, a great expert on the hydrological or water cycle and how that impacts our environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's many other leaders in the agriculture movements. Of course, the person who got me involved in all of this was Al Gore, the founder of Climate Reality Project. He has written several books on the subject, including the bestseller, An Inconvenient Truth. And if you do nothing else, take the time to watch Kiss the Ground's free video documentary. You can find it on Netflix on how we can reverse global warming. It'll inspire everyone to action. Thank you for this opportunity to talk about regenerative farming, climate change, and the 2023 Farm Bill. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for all of the amazing work and organizing that you're doing and and, um, communicating and getting this message out. Really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Links to more information about our guest and the topics mentioned, as well as a full transcript of the conversation, are available on the podcast section of our website, kinderpublic.com. To share information about issues in public space and spaces that are doing things right, email podcast at kinderpublic.com. If you have enjoyed an episode of Towards a Kinder Public, we would love your help in sharing the episode with others. Please leave us a rating and a review. It helps make our topics more visible, and we really appreciate your support. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Kinder Public. I'm Kevin Castle. My guest has been Don Vicelli, co-chair of the Climate Reality Project Regenerative Agriculture Coalition, advocating for the 2023 Farm Bill, among many other leadership roles on climate change. Thanks for joining us. Have a very good week.